And welcome to the Monday, June 27th, 2016 edition of the Sands and its Storms and its Stormcast. My name is Johannes Ulrich, and today I'm recording from Salt Lake City, Utah. FishMe is reporting about a new ransomware strain. The ransomware, which calls itself BARD, appears to take some at least optical cues from Loki. The ransom page looks similar, but in a major change from other ransomware, this one doesn't use a command control channel to actually register exploited hosts and then also retrieve encryption keys. Instead, whatever keys being used is derived locally. In addition, it does not sort of implement its own file encryption like other encryption tools. Instead, it just uses encrypted zip files to encrypt the data. The ransomware is delivered by the rock loader, downloader, and the malware itself is initially encrypted using a simple XOR key. So when the malware is downloaded by rock loader, it's not immediately obvious that this is a Windows executable, you first have to XOR it with this key in order to actually discover it as being executable, which may attempt here to bypass some network uh, detection of uh, ransomware or malware in general. FishMe made available a Python script to decode the ransomware in executable, but at this point I don't see a complete analysis of BART. It would be nice to learn more about how the encryption key is being derived because, well, if there's no external influence really for uh, this particular sample, like no command control channel, then it's very possible that a victim could derive the same key and then decrypt the files. Rapid7 announced a critical vulnerability in the code generation tool Swagger. Swagger automatically creates a code in various languages that allows applications to interact with REST services. Systems like this are usually quite opaque to the developer and security flaws affect a wide range of applications written in all the different languages that the tool supports. In this case, Ruby, Java, PHP and other languages are affected. A developer would create a YAML file and uh, then describe the API, the REST API that Swagger is supposed to write the server and client components for and uh, this YAML file is then essentially converted into these various languages. In the case of Swagger, clients as well as servers can be created. The process of creating and executing code is, however, rather tricky from a security point of view. Rapid7 now disclosed different vulnerability for the Java, Ruby, PHP, HTML, and JavaScript or Node.js code converter for a Swagger. So essentially what could happen here is is that net hacker will send a malicious JAML file that will be used with a REST API, but it will also execute additional arbitrary code. Rapid7 did publish a Metasploit module to make exploitation of the flaw easy. As far as I can tell, there is no patch available for this right now. If you're using Swagger, 
Be careful that you don't sort of accept a random YAML code uh, files if you can avoid that. And of course, update as soon as a patch becomes available. The exploit, you should be able to tell uh, the exploit code. It does sort of use the usual obfuscation techniques in order uh, to trick Swagger into including code that it believes is escaped. So various combinations of Quotes and semicolons and such, depending on the language, are usually used in order to trigger this flaw. In the US, most states make voter registration data public, and this data has raised privacy concerns in the past. There have been large dumps of the data that have been found, but in itself, the data is easy to obtain and usually actually made available in bulk for various campaigns by the various states. In addition, there are companies that specialize in enriching the data by adding additional attributes from various other databases. One such company, L2 Political, apparently sold such a database to a client and the client then did expose uh, the entire database, including data added by L2 Political to an unprotected Couch database. NoSQL databases like CouchDB have become a huge problem lately. We have talked about it here uh, before because by default, you usually don't have the same access control mechanisms that SQL databases have, not necessarily that people will implement them for a SQL either. But in addition to the simple lesson that should be, well, protect your databases, the other lesson is that large data collections, once they are joined with each other, they can really provide uh, some interesting details about individuals that any one of the original publishers of each one of the original databases didn't necessarily consider. Now, in this particular case, uh, the company that found this particular instance did notify L2, which in turn notified its customer of the problem. However, apparently the data was already accessed by uh, various individuals, at least according to the blog post of the company that discovered this particular. Well, and that's it for today. Thanks again for listening and talk to you again tomorrow.